When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Ten, five, victory! Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I'm Bobby Wells, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105 Big Fan in Dallas. Joined as always by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday on 105 Big Fan in Dallas. He is also the pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network, which there was no game to react to this week. How about Brian, that? How did you how did you spend your bye week Sunday? What else were you watching? Uh, what did I do? I was interested in uh, Rangers man. game six, obviously. Yeah, Shout I, out I, to the I, Rangers getting to the World Series. Congratulations, Rangers! Yeah, for one hundred five three, the fan from all of us. Uh, the I went to the game on Friday and had my heart ripped out, and I was oh. trying to like equate it to other moments in sports. Growing up here in Dallas, where I've had my heart ripped out of you know for uh, for games, the. The Tony Romo drop snap in Seattle during the playoffs was one. The Dez catch in 2014 was another one where I felt like it got my heart ripped out. Jackie uh, Smith. Jackie Smith dropping the touchdown. Man, you're going way, way back with that one. Dwight Clark's catch uh, oh. in the NFC Championship game. I, I'm an old guy, 59 years old, so I've seen a lot of like getting my heart ripped out of games. But, man, that was to be – and it was so – Bobby, and you know the rules. I was watching in the press box, and there's no cheering. And so you're sitting there, and literally the ball leaves the bat from Altuve. And I'm like, man, they just hit a three-run homer to win this thing. I mean, they just basically just – you know, the Rangers had a shot in the the bottom of the ninth. But, I mean, by that point, you're just like – you were just so devastated. So, uh, yeah, being a Dallas sportsman, there's there's other – People around the world, around the country, that I'm sure have other moments. I just hope you never have to go through that uh, because I feel like in my life I've gone through a few, been through a lot of good, successful stuff, but then also had like that one was pretty, pretty tough because I've really grown invested into the Rangers. Yeah. I just have, and and uh, you know I was I'm happy that they made the World Series, but it was it gave me an opportunity to kind of to to that week to kind of just focus on baseball the whole week, which I really, really enjoyed. I'm now ready to kind of get back into the cowboy mode, the swing of things. You know, you got to run a games, and then you're, next thing you know, we're going to wake up. It's already damn week eight, you know, and you're going to wake yeah. up, and it's Thanksgiving, and you're going to wake up again, and they've got to win this game to win the division, you know, and so we're going to be in that mode here uh, before very long. 
yeah, look, I think that, you know, you did spend your bye week productively uh, because you had a, a really fantastic segment, which we'll actually, I, I heard you do it on 105 through the fan. We'll touch on it uh, next segment a little bit in addition to some of the things the Cowboys can expect after bye. But you studied what Cleveland did against San Francisco. Yeah, I had, and and yeah. I think that that's really interesting. That was, that was you know, that was a lot of fun. And, and this morning, um, I'm going to take the opportunity. I've got to look at the Rams tonight for future shows for you and I, and then for 105.3, and then also for Cowboys Break, which I always do. I'm interested to see what Minnesota did. What was fascinating was the numbers that the success that uh, that they had throwing the football, Minnesota had throwing the football, Kirk Cousins had when they weren't blitzed. But then when they got blitzed, I think he was 7 of 12 and, uh, you know, it for, they, they forced a turnover on him. But it, it's funny. I'm interested to see. It, it doesn't appear like that that San Francisco got a whole hell of a lot of pressure because when they didn't blitz, he was dead perfect. And usually San Francisco tries to get you with their four-man rush. But yeah. I'll, I'll study that. I'll study that game and then kind of get an idea. you got to get a game plan together. Uh, I already watched the Cleveland game, which gave me an idea about how they play with the robber. Uh, down in the box to kind of take away the crossers. Not in the box, but outside the box to kind of take away those crossers and stuff like that. Might be a good way to play uh, the 49ers going forward. Well, you know, if uh, if the NFL playoffs started today, who are the Dallas Cowboys facing, Brian? That would be the San Francisco 49ers if the oh, playoffs that, started today. The yep. Yeah, because yeah, the 49ers have been bumped down to the number three team. Dallas is at six. So you'd be on the road in San Francisco if the playoffs started today. <laughs> which is very poetic. We're going to talk here in this first segment, though, about Jerry Jones. He interviewed with 105 through the fan. That's so some interesting is things. It, to... Is it? Is it real quick? Is that mm-hmm. Philadelphia, Detroit? Uh yeah, it's Philly. I think it's Philly, Detroit, is what it is. Detroit's okay. got a tiebreaker right now. Yeah, there you go. All right, and so you play all this... these teams, man. It's crazy. You're going to play. You're going to play the 49ers. You're going to play the Lions. You're going to play the Dolphins. You're going to play the Bills. You're going to play Seattle. Who else we got in this thing you're going to play that's probably going to be – there's some tests. I mean, you I mean Miami the, and Buffalo, they have yeah, six Exactly. You failed the test against San Francisco. you got to find a way to win these other ones, though. It's it's interesting you say that. We'll we'll dive into sorry, what Jerry I'm said. No, no, you're good. Yeah. We'll, we'll dive in specifically to what Jerry had to say about the trade deadline here in a sec, which is coming up on Halloween because there was, I think, an interesting comment there. But – it was funny when we asked him, like the first thing where it's like, hey, tell us about bye week assessment. You blah, guys did a good job on that. How, good question. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. How many, what was it? Was it less than 10 seconds before he said San Francisco? He did say San Francisco. If you have any question, I know some people thought we overhyped how much the Cowboys really cared about that and everything. Else. If you have any question about is this team still obsessed with San Francisco? We, he was just asked about bye week reflection, and Jerry couldn't get 10 seconds into it without saying the 49ers' name. That's he, still a team that they are really focused on. And he even said, I thought it was interesting, he said we're in the upper echelon. I've never heard Jerry say anything like this. We're in the upper echelon. I'm not saying we belong on the same field as the 49ers. It's like, yeah. man, that team is in the Cowboys' head. Yeah, uh, and maybe Philadelphia might be in their head, too, here in the Little next bit. couple of weeks. You know, we'll study them. Philadelphia's done a great job with – the personnel that they've had. They've had some games where they haven't been perfect in a lot of areas, but they find a way to be six and one. You know, maybe they're getting, maybe they struggle in a game. It's my saying I have all the time and I need to get a t shirt made. This NFL is a strange lady. Strange lady. It's a strange lady. One in five teams are beating teams that are looking like playoff teams and you know, it's kinda of, it's just been really, really crazy. And that's what you that's what you endure throughout a season. You'd love to have the Arizona 
uh, game back. Uh, you know, and you'd love to have a better effort against the uh, against the 49ers. I think the Cowboys going forward feel like that they're that they can compete, that they're built to compete against the Eagles. But we'll see in a couple weeks how that game plays out for them. So that was just interesting right there that he mentioned San Francisco a couple different times. I just think that yeah. that's relevant to point out because of you know the fact that they they clearly still have a mental hurt of late. If you are on track to play San Francisco again. Uh, that's still clearly on the mind of your owner and general manager that, mm. hey, I don't know how much we stack up against this football team. Uh, but he did have a lot to say on the trade deadline. We were able to kick around a lot there because there have been a lot of national pundits suggesting that Dallas could be one of the active teams at the NFL trade deadline, which is really funny because the NFL trade deadline for years was essentially nothing, Brian. Like, it's not the MLB trade deadline or the NBA. Now you actually get some activity, usually not on deadline day, but usually the week leading up. You'll see some names. Philadelphia already went out, got Kevin Byard, who's a really good player, uh, really yeah. good safety. Can I, can, uh, I give you, can I give you a little yeah. scouting report? My, yeah. my gang of seven guys um, gave me a little report on, on Byer and what to kind of expect from him. Uh, I just thought it was interesting because I asked about him specifically, of course. Uh, one of my guys said, and, th- and th- this was, I'm kind of, I'm taking the phrase or the wording from two or three different guys, but they say the same thing about sure. him. The the, the 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 thumbnail scouting report about him uh, is he's been good, not as great in coverage as he's been in previous seasons, but still good starter and a a plus player both versus run and pass. So yeah. this looks like a deal where they didn't give up a whole hell of a lot and they got a guy that's legitimate. Uh, was a Pro Bowl player, always around the ball, you know, maybe struggling a little bit more in pass coverage than he did in the past, but still a run good defender that tackles well. That that sounds like to me a good a good addition to your defense that uh, that uh, might be struggling a little bit in some of the areas that uh, that they want to address. Bayard was a guy who I believe so he got drafted in 2016, uh, early third round or late second round. One of them. I just remember that because that was one of the highest players we've seen in recent NFL history who didn't go to the combine. He was a yeah. combine snub oh. and went incredibly high. But Bayard is a guy who that since he entered the league, I believe he's second in the NFL in interceptions behind yeah. Xavier and Howard. So he'll take the ball away. He's, he's intercepted Dak a few times. Yeah. Um, and so he, he's somebody who absolutely is a, a real needle mover, I think for Philadelphia. So that's concerning. But in terms of Dallas going after the deadline, uh, Jerry, had some interesting things to say about it. And I don't know. I'm curious if this is the guy that you worked with uh, this perspective. He has, he says the initiation of an opportunity to make a trade at this time that would help us principally has to start over on the other end. So what Jerry's saying is I'm not picking up the phone. I'm not working the phone. Something's basically got to fall into our laps. Is that a little bit of a a change up from what you've known in the past in terms of Jerry and, and the way that he approaches these things? Bobby, I, I was on uh, the break today, mm-hmm. and I made a passionate plea. Uh, you know, we each had an opportunity to kind of talk about the comments that you guys were able to get from Jerry. And the comment that I made was, I wish I, I wish the old Jerry Jones would come back. I wish the old Jerry Jones would come back that, would, that was willing to, um, to step up do whatever he had to do. Uh, you know, there was a time, and, and I and I addressed this. I said this. Um, 
20 years ago when Jerry was wheeling and dealing, 25 years ago, whatever, when Jerry was wheeling and dealing picks, I was part of the scouting staff that, you know, we, we did the we did uh, the Joey Galloway trade, we, you know, yep. Roy Williams. We, there was things along the way we did. And I feel like that if we scared Jerry off from making trades like that, he, he did the Amari Cooper one, you know, but he did that because he saw that receiver by committee wasn't working. But, you know, that's a good evaluation. Had to go out and had to give up a first-round pick. Had to make that happen. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say it on – this is the third platform I'm going to say it on. I think Jerry Jones is better equipped with better information than when we were scouting for him. You know, I, I think his pro department today is better than the pro department with myself and others that were, were doing it. Not that – you know, they were uh, – I think with Jerry standing at the – I said this at the dice, at the craps table with holding the dice – and pushing chips around with me was probably a gamble. With his current group, with you know, with the leadership from Will and you know, and Alex Loomis and Henry Schroka and and those guys over there, I think they're better equipped to know the league and know the type of players that they need. And if Jerry wants to go out and get a player and spend a premium pick to go get a player that could help him. I think he's better equipped for that now than maybe 20-some-odd years ago when I was sitting in that chair for him. And I would hope that he would you know, be that guy that I was dealing with in you know, the early 2000s that was willing to look around, listen to the information, say, let's go, let's do this. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, to me right now, I don't know what's holding him back. And I want to believe he's making decisions on this, but I also want to think that maybe Stephen and Will and others are influencing him. Hey, Jerry, we don't have to do this. We don't have to make a move for a linebacker. We don't have to make a move for a corner. We don't have to go make a, a move for another position player. You know, we don't need this. You know, and, and that's Jerry's going to go, okay, if that's kind of how we feel. And Jerry never wants to be in a position where he can't negotiate. So he's going to say, you know, I need somebody to come to me, and you know, they're kind of hat in hand and want to do that. But I, I miss the old Jerry Jones. That, and to be honest with you, Bobby, I think there's a side of him that still wants to be that Jerry Jones of the early 2000s and go and do this. I don't know how you can't look at the NFL right now, the landscape of it, and and not say this thing is wide open right now. This, yeah. you know, one or two moves at the midway point. And I used the, the, the example of the Texas Rangers and, and Chris Young, first-year general manager for the Rangers. His team was in first place basically the whole entire season through the trade deadline, and he went out and got Chapman, and he went out and got Montgomery, and he, he you know, Scherzer. He, made, he, you know, he lost to Grom. He went out and made trades to try and make his team better. And the players he traded for right now are one of the reasons why he's sitting now in the World Series because yep. of some of the moves that he was willing to make. And his team was in first place the majority of the season, up until the very last month of the season, very last weeks of the season, he was, they were in first place. And I, I wish that that was Jerry Jones again. And I don't know if Will's holding it back, and I don't know if, if Steven's holding it back. And I don't mean that any disrespect to either of those guys. But if, if, if going out and making the right move, and, and, and the right move would be, from what your pro department told you your right move is. Because these guys are super qualified for this job. 
Yeah. They're much more qualified for, to make a great decision than maybe when I was doing it. And I'm not trying to just pour me and slam me or what. But no, I just I'm honestly I believe these guys are really good at evaluating the league, and they've proven that with the way they've built their roster. I admire the way they build their roster, but I also would like to see them just you know go out and people say, well, they tried to do it where they gave up a minimal pick for 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 Gilmore. Okay, they gave up a million pick for Cooks. Okay. But if you could find if somebody in one in the pro department can evaluate somebody that can they can go get that could be that difference maker, man, they owe it to themselves and they owe it to this fan base. They owe it to this fan base to to go out there and try and go win this 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 division, this conference, and potentially a Super Bowl because this thing to me, Bobby, is wide open. It really yeah. really is. I don't care. Philadelphia is a good team. San Francisco slammed you, you know, maybe a bad game against San Francisco. Maybe next time it'll be different. But maybe if you have another player or two that might make a difference in that game, like they have, then you might have a different result. Yeah, it is frustrating. And obviously you're not arguing for make a move just to make a move. But like, do your due due diligence. It's it's one of their favorite lines, due diligence. Just do your due diligence. Yes, I'm completely trusting Will McClay and the pro scouting department here, completely. I just think when we were when we were throwing multiple ones around like they were manhole covers, just don't you know nickels or whatever. We we're just throwing them around, you know, like you spare change. You know, we, you know, we were Jerry was rolling the dice and he was rolling the dice. You know, I, we were right about uh, you know in free agency with Lori Glover and Dan Campbell and some guys like that. But there were some other ones along the way. There's some trades. You know, we never should have given up two ones for Joey Galloway. Never should have done that. One one was sufficient. We didn't need to give up two, but we did it. You know, when Jerry was willing to do it, and I, I just wish we could get back to that guy that might be more willing to do this because I think he might be getting influenced not to do it. It is a fascinating uh, dynamic. Sure somebody's going to gonna be come sure. after me for saying that. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah. Everybody's entitled to an opinion, Brian, and yours is more informed than uh, most people would be sitting here talking about it. You are listening but to I the Love the Star. I you did. That's my guy. point. Yeah, I that's my point. Guy. I you saw know. What he, I, saw him, I saw him look around the room after getting all the information and saying, let's go. Let's do this. You know, yeah. I've seen him do that. And, and I just see this this whole thing is so open. Uh, and I'm sorry, I interrupt you there, Bob. No, 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 no. I, 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 I 100% agree. Love I'll be interested star. to see. I'll yes. be interested to see how much his word matches his actions too. Because um, I mean, they've they've. But you said asked before, him the question. You asked yeah. him the question, and he seemed open to the idea. But somebody's going to have to call. You know, if 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 they identify somebody that. They, they can make be a difference maker, and they have to give up a premium pick. I, I trust these guys to do it. I trust these guys. You know what? They weren't wrong about Amari Cooper. It just no. became personal. You yep. know what I'm saying? They weren't wrong about Amari. It just became personal. That's that's the issue. Yeah, they uh, they let their money get mad a little yep. bit there. A little bit. Uh, you are listening to the Love the Star podcast, the Love the Stars and Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. All right, Brian, one of the other things that Jerry had talked about uh, with us was he had mentioned where the Cowboys stand right now. And I think, look, if you would have told people at the beginning of the year, hey, at the bye week, you're four and two, then I think people go, okay, you have three road games in the first six weeks against playoff teams from last year. You've got Belichick on the schedule. You've got Aaron Rodgers and the Jets defense. There you go. go, All right, four and two doesn't sound so bad. And yet you can't find anybody who's really super excited about four and two now after losing to a bad Cardinals team or or a Cardinals team that you're definitively better than and getting drubbed by the San Francisco 49ers. People are are not happy with that. Uh, But Jerry Jones told us, he said, I look at where we are four and two. I'll take it. I think most people would. Um, but he says, we have better football ahead of us. I don't doubt that at all. No one should doubt that we're getting better. So Jerry's an eternal optimist. Uh, so his comments aren't totally unsurprising, but there are areas of the team where I think it is reasonable to not only just say, Hey, they could get better. I think it's reasonable to expect they're going to get better. Yeah. Uh, and so I just want to kick around some of those with you real quick. The first one to me, Brian is red zone efficiency. And I know it's been a, a huge plague on it, but you've pointed it out before penalties, boneheaded plays, uh, poor execution, a lot of just silly stuff. Drops. drops. My goodness, it feels like there have been a few drops. In there. Some of it's been technicalities. CD Lamb's touchdown was 20 yards instead of 19, so that doesn't go to your red zone efficiency. Uh, so, so it puts you in a little bit of a a tough spot from that sense. But I think all those things eventually. They, it feels like to me, Brian, that in the red zone they've had a statistically significant number of boneheaded plays break their way. And when that regresses to the mean, I think you're naturally going to see those numbers go up. Yeah. I, I think that in, to me, a lot of what's going on up front, the play call or some design, I feel like though, really poor execution, missed blocks, guys getting uh, you know, point of attack, getting compressed, trying to pull guys, not getting into the second level, uh, running back, trying to bounce it, can't get outside, has to kind of cut it back clogged in the middle you mentioned the drops in the red zone Dak Prescott not pulling the ball two different times he should have three rushing touchdowns right now I, I well, he's got one I believe right right now right uh, yep and then he should have had two others on on plays that if he pulls the ball you know there's there's decision making there's execution there's decisions on what plays to run there's drops there's I mean just take your pick of what you know, could hamper a red zone attack, and Dallas has lived them all. They, yeah, they, and that'll they're, balance. There, yeah, there's not one time. You know, and I and I think when you watch the Cowboys, I think the offensive line. The one thing they're banking on, Bobby, is that this offensive line, who has not played together all that much, will get better as the season progresses. You know, they've had moments where they've tried. Like a great example last week when we talked about the Chargers game, and they're running the ball at the point of attack. And if you have the all 22, the capability to watch, you would see with your own eyes, they're trying to pull guys. They're trying to win at the point of attack. They're not getting the combination blocks. They're not getting guys to the second level. 
uh, Pollard is having to try and find space when there's no space. All of a sudden, you get pullers that get compressed. You get tight ends that get compressed. You get a backside tight end that's pulling that doesn't block anybody two straight plays when he's pulling. You know, those are the kinds of things you cannot have happen when you're trying to run the ball, and especially when you're trying to run the ball in the red zone. You have you have guys like a, a Biotish completely whiff on a block. Tyler yep. Smith completely whiff on a block. Zach Martin, you know, he's playing on one leg, hopefully a little bit better this week with the bruise he's dealing with on the on the thigh, the quad bruise that he's dealing with. Hopefully that's better for him after, you know, get a little bit of rest. Tyron Smith, you know, has not been as great as Tyron Smith's been in the past. But it's when you grade these offensive linemen, 65 plays. If you have three bad plays, you know, you've probably done a pretty damn good job. But if you grade 65 plays and eight of them are bad for each individual guy, there's your problems. There's your problems not only in the field, but when you get down in the red zone. Yeah, and it's important to note that that one of the best red zone players in the NFL over the last two years was Dalton Schultz. And Schultz left. You've got young tight ends who are still trying to figure out the little nuances of of getting that that little bit. They got to yeah. catch the ball. They've yeah. got they've got to learn the nuances of, of route running when the field gets tighter, the space gets smaller. Yeah. As they continue to play, they're going to pick those things up. So naturally, as that group gets more experience, that's going to improve as well. So I do think the red yeah. zone will get better. Is it going to be top of the league? Probably no. not. No. But no. they can be better than twenty sixth, which is where they are. I think that's reasonable yeah. to assume. I think you make a great point about Dalton Schultz, and the one of the great example is with Dalton Schultz in the playoff game against Tampa. Dak sprints to his left, or he's flushed left, and he's kind of looking, looking, looking. Things get kind of compressed. I use the word compressed a lot here tonight. But things get squeezed, compressed uh, you know, to the outside. And then what does Dalton Schultz do? Instead of working towards the sideline in the corner of the end zone, he works back to the yep. inside, more towards the, the goalpost. And what does Dak do? Dak throws him a ball between the corner and the safety right there. You know, yep. that's – uh, uh, one of the best they knew ever. each other yeah they one knew of the best other. ones ever was Jason Witten with Tony Romo how many times have we seen Jason Witten body somebody up get the ball or find space when everything looks really really cluttered and uh, these tight ends could be a huge weapon down there with that with that uh, with that way of attacking it the next issue I got three for you the next one that I think is just naturally going to improve and by the way I'll, I'll spoil it now None of these are on defense. I think they can improve on defense, but I don't think anything just naturally is going to get better on defense. They just have to be better. You got to hope for some were, things to click there. Were you the, surprised the, that Jerry mentioned about the run? He the first concern for him on your your conversation this morning. The first thing he mentioned was playing run defense. Nope, it doesn't surprise me at all because that's what McCarthy says every week, and so I'm yeah. sure that's what McCarthy's telling him yeah. in those meetings. No, no question. Because McCarthy tells it to us every single week. He goes, well, well we know yeah. teams are going to try to yeah, run the ball yeah, on us. There you go. Well, so we'll that, 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 we'll that didn't surprise you. Number two, big plays on offense, and it's because they just have none. Again, it's a statistical unlikelihood that that will continue. So, I, I know you got a chance to go back and watch the tape against the Chargers. Yeah. That, to me, was by far the most comfortable Dak Prescott's looked throwing yeah. the ball this year. And that was what, yeah, the route yeah. concepts looked different to me. Yeah. It looked like they were doing some different things. And so I think that they're going to take the bye week. They're going to investigate that stuff. They're going to see on tape what we saw on tape and go, okay, we got some stuff we got to take advantage of. And that's naturally going to lead to more big plays. Yeah, give Dak some credit because I know on my show on 105.3, the fan, the G-Bag Nation, Gavin Dawson and I have this discussion all the time about it, one of his big things is Dak has to have the offensive line and the running game to have success. This was a game where they didn't have running game success and the offensive line was not great. 
Dak Prescott did a really nice job in this past week or this before the uh, the game before the bye, where he was able to move in the pocket, throw the football, uh, you know, generate some offense that way. So if you always think that Dak has to have the line in the running game to be successful, that game last week was one of the reasons why you would say, well, that's not always the case. Yeah, and, and I, I think that, like I said, they they're going to self scout. They're going to take some time away. And I think that what they'll see on tape that they were able to do against the Chargers, and look, the Chargers have their own problems that you were able to take advantage of, but I do think it's going to show up on tape to them of, okay, he looks more comfortable here. This looks more like the quarterback that we've known. And Dak didn't play the greatest game of all time, but he was really good. And and it was something where he looked more like himself. He was better than his line in his running game. And that's where a lot of people, a lot of criticism has been about Dak Prescott. If you talk about the interceptions, though, the – the, the games, you know, that he, was he good enough to carry the team? Well, he was good enough to carry the team the other day, you know? Yeah. He had a receiver that was probably having one of his worst games of his career, and that, you know, that was Michael Gallup. Boy, that's you know, another he, discussion for he, us to get into this week I know, is Michael he, Gallup. He just, he just kept feeding him the ball, and, yeah. you know, Gallup kind of let him down. And, yep. you know, so we'll see. Uh, and then the last one here, Brian, and you kind of touched on a little bit already, but it's the offensive line. I think that there there's no position group in you know the NFL in the game of football that's more reliant on the continuity and the consistency and just those sort of things to be able to get your cohesion together than the offensive line and so just by the very fact that what we're probably talking about I haven't even looked at it yet but 120 snaps this group has played together now yeah. of Tyron Tyler Tyler Zach Martin Terrence Steele it's 120 snaps they're not going to be perfect. They're not going to know. It's not the Terrence Steele, Zach Martin, like, oh, they just know exactly how to work on those combo blocks together and do different things. That's going to take time for everybody to come together. Um, and so while – Boy, I worried know, about that too. My yeah. biggest so – you know, Bobby, when we do these shows, my biggest concern, offensive coaching staff turnover and then this offensive line. You know, you're yep. going to get the five guys. Are you going to get the right five guys? You yep. know, that that's – you're absolutely right. That's – you know, you, you, you haven't played a whole hell of a lot of snaps together – but man, they've they have got to figure this thing out before we get to before we get to Thanksgiving. They've got yep. and and maybe you know it's they're going to be challenged at Philadelphia here. They're going to be. I mean, I haven't looked at the Rams. I'm going to look at the Rams tonight and you know and see where they're at. Some Puka Nakua. <laughs> yeah, I know it damn good and well. They're going to be challenged against Philadelphia's front. You know, they've yeah. got to find a way to have a really good game against the Rams and get some that continuity you're talking about, but get some confidence. Get some confidence that, you know, when they make a call and they combo block and they work to the second level and guys are blocked. Hell, some of the best blocks they made the other day in that game were the, the, a block from uh, from Turpin getting inside on a, on a running play, him getting up on a linebacker and getting a block, you know I mean? Yeah. They just have not been as consistent as we'd like to believe and maybe it's time on task is what needs to be taken care of. Yeah, and like I said, like, are they going to be perfect? No, not without work. Like, it's not going to just be, oh, they're going to get to perfection just by working together. We, but we all we all act like wave a wand. We acted like, oh, just throw the magic fairy dust out there and everything's going to be okay. It's it's really not. Here, here's what I'll, I will say though: if they play the next four games together without injury, they're they're able to keep this unit together for six weeks. Here's what I'll guarantee: just them playing together for six weeks, they yeah. will be better than they are right now. Just that's oh, natural. Yeah. You're, and and yeah. so that's why you that's hope. something that it, it, I see. I don't even I don't even know. That it's see, are they going to be? I don't know that we can assume they're good. 
I think you can definitely say they will be better just by playing together for an extended period of time because the communication is going to get better and that's going to clean up some issues right there. You know, the thing I worry about a little bit is Tyler Smith playing guard because he looked far better as a tackle. I know the last couple of weeks, I think the New England game, he played really well, but the the San Francisco game in last week, he wasn't great. New England Biotish. and Arizona, he was really great. Other than yeah. that, he's he's had B- some struggles. I thought Biotish was kind of nicked up. He's not. You know, he's just there's some guys that have had some regression. I think that I think that maybe Terrence Steele has had a little regression. And I don't yeah, know. Steel, if it, Steel, I, don't, I don't know. No, if it's I, the I think Steele. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know if it's I, the line coach. I'm just saying the, the guys that they thought were going to be next level players, Tyler Smith, Biotish, Steele, have all taken just a little bit of a half step to a step back something to monitor but i do think that them playing together alone brian i do think that'll that will naturally make things better will it make it good necessarily not necessarily but it will improve it It uh you are listening to the love the star podcast the love the stars and odyssey podcast (laughs) you can find it on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast brian trying to throw cold water on this on this offensive no no i know i know if they're going to be, if they're going to get where they need to be, that offensive line has got to get together. Yeah, one hundred percent. There's no question. Yeah, especially especially with all be, the they could be okay, and Dak could you know make up for a lot of the problems they have, and CD can make up for a lot of the problems. But they need to find a way to be more consistent running the football. They really, really do need to get that squared away. Absolutely. I mean, that's what Mike McCarthy had told us all along he wanted to do. It is now time for the Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag. It's where we turn things over to you guys and uh, let you ask some of the questions. Uh, Let's start off here with a question from Matt. He says, almost every time Kevontae Turpin has touched the ball this season, good things have happened. In what ways do you think the Cowboys can get creative to get him the ball more? Could having him and Cooks on the field at the same time pose problems for defenses with their speed? Like it. I like You're all Matt's for doing. that? Yeah, I like what Matt's doing there because he's absolutely right. You know, the one thing in the second half, we and we talked about it last year at the bye, uh, you know, could you find ways to get Turpin the ball more? They just never did. I'm yep. not just talking about jet sweeps, but his ability to catch the ball down the field, we saw it, great pass by, great route, bring him in motion, bunch formation, boom. He runs the corner or he runs the nickel up the field. It's the best play they had in the San Francisco game. You know, he, he makes a great adjusting catch. This kid is just not a jet sweep guy. Find ways to get the ball. Once again, we saw them put him in the backfield and throw, toss him the ball and then you know, him get to the outside in a hurry, just downhill really quick. Yep. They, they need to create opportunities. And it just doesn't have to be screens. It could be bunches, scatter, drag him, pick guys, you know, let him come across, try and pick his guy if you're playing man coverage against him. You know, get him in the space so he can get the ball. I totally agree with you, Matt. Great observation. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Turpin has has been impressive. Now, the biggest he's thing Turpin's been—he's been, been damn good. He's been yeah. better. Yeah, you, you mentioned the block. It's not just the stuff yes, that he's done I mean, with the ball. He, he's he, yes, absolutely. He's he's become a little bit of a complete player. I will say the one thing he always has to guard against fumbling. He he gets a little careless with that football. He does. He will try he, really hard to get a, an extra yard or two and fumble. He, he's he's going to have to protect the football a little bit better. Uh, next question here from Mr. Slinky3. This is not General Slinky like the last time where you were uh, Mr. Hotkeys or, or did you whoever ever, it was. You never played with Slinky as a kid, did you? Yeah, I did. I absolutely did. I used to put oh, it on I the steps. Was... I used to do that. Ging, okay. Ging, ging, okay, you know what a Slinky is. I yeah, 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 yeah. Just, I thought you were just BS. Please. No, no, the steel ones. I always loved yeah. them. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's asking who needs to take the next step 
for the Cowboys to go deep in the playoffs. So, Brian, if I said there's one person on this roster, you just get to pick one. You you get to make that player reach their full potential outside of the quarterback. That's too easy. You get yeah. to make that one player reach their full potential. Who most impacts the Cowboys' chances in the playoffs if you do that? Damone Clark. It's a good answer. Yeah. yeah. They need Damone Clark because what's going to happen is Leighton Van Esch is going to be gone for a little bit, you know, maybe what, two more games, three more games maybe. Yeah. Damone Clark played well against the Chargers, but they're going to need him to be a 10 to 12 tackle guy every week. He's got to be a guy that doesn't get fooled on plays, reads his keys, gets downhill, maybe a tackle for a loss. Those are the things that Leighton Van Der Esch was really, really good at. Knifing through there, blitzing when yep. he had to. Tackle a guy, it's a gain of four. Tackle him right there, it's a gain of four. That's it. Not a gain of pass to four that goes to 12 or 15. Tackle well, read your keys, play downhill. You know, they, they're going to need, if this defense is going to be, and, you know, you, you could say, hell, you could say this too. You could say Donovan Wilson's name too. If this defense is going to be, if, if it, this defense is going to be where it needs to be, you're going to have to have Donovan Wilson. Tyler Biotish is another one to me. You've got to be better in the center than you have been. I mean, yep. the center of the offense. Because they're going to have to run the ball. Maybe, maybe, maybe Pollard's going to have to be better. I mean, there's so many guys you can name, but the number one guy on my list is Damone Clark because he needs to take over where Van Der Esch has vacated. I think Clark's a really good answer. I think Gilmore, if you could get the most out of Gilmore, Gilmore. as possible, that, that would be Lewis. big. Lewis would be huge. I mean, you mentioned the safeties already. Yeah. Uh, you know, you could pick Biotish. You could pick Steele. You Steel. could pick Tyron. I, I mean, honestly, there, there are a number of different ways you can go. That I do like the, the pick of Clark, though, especially because of, of how thin they are there. Yeah. Uh, next question here from John. As the team stands now, do you believe the Cowboys are good enough to beat the Eagles twice this season or even once? Once. I agree. Here's the thing. I think the this, this happens all the time. We get the flavor of the week. I'm guilty of it. Yeah. I, I see the Bills win three straight games by 28 points, including whoop up on the Dolphins. Yeah. And I go, Buffalo might be the best team in football. They might yep. be the only team to challenge San Francisco. Yep. And then you see them just spiral the next three weeks. Yeah. Uh, you know, we see San Francisco lose two games. Uh, in a row that we're, we're now obviously no Debo, no Trent, but injuries happen in this league. You still need to win football games. They've not been impressive the last two weeks. We had some people asking, like, could they be one of these like all time teams? They're really, really good. And and now we're kind of going back to that. I will say I'm not going to be so quick to forget what I've seen from Philly through the first six weeks of the year. They're that- they're. They're a good t- – right, but I mean the first six before that game okay, against Miami. I got you. I got you. Miami was a, a really impressive – that is the best football game the Eagles have played this year. And they yeah. did it against a really good football team. They were really impressive. That's a scary team. The Eagles on that day were beating the Cowboys probably 100 times out of 100. They were that good. Yeah. So I, I totally get that. I've also seen that team struggle in ways against the Jets that the Cowboys didn't. I've seen that team struggle against the Patriots in ways that the Cowboys didn't. They've had some trouble. The Vikings gave them a lot of problems early on in the season. Uh, so I I think Philly's good. I've probably underrated them throughout the year. But I also think Philly is not as good as they were this time last year. Maybe they reach it. Maybe they get to that point. Bayard, like we mentioned earlier, is a really good player. Um, but I, I think there's a little bit of prisoner. There might be prisoner of the moment sentiment if you're like, can they even beat them once? Dallas can absolutely beat them once. They can yeah. beat them twice. I think yeah. they will split. Yeah, the thing I think if you're going to catch Philly, 
and it would be great if you could catch him at home, but if you could catch him with, it, it appears that Donovan, uh, I almost said Donovan McNabb, uh, that uh, Jalen Hurts is nicked up. Yep. You know, and if he's dealing with this knee injury and it's something that gets progressively worse when you play them here in two weeks, that will surely help your causes. You know, you need to make him play backwards. Don't let him play forward. Make him play backwards. And if he's compromised with his mobility because of a little bit of a knee thing he's dealing with, that that can only help the Cowboys. Capable of beating him twice? Sure. Likely? No. But if you can, boy, if you can take this one at Philadelphia here in a couple weeks, that would be huge going forward. You don't need you don't need the former scout to tell you that. You would know that you know, yourself. Yeah. What would that be? Let me look at that game is uh, November fifth, correct? Yeah, November fifth. Mm-hmm. November fifth, uh, and and you know what November fourth could potentially be. Now we'll know the outcome by the time. Was that the final game between the that, Phillies? That could be and the game Rangers? seven between the Phillies and the Rangers. If it's the Phillies, I haven't even looked to see a score update while we've been recording. We're recording yeah. here as the game I'm got hoping, started. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for Arizona. That's my team. But Arizona. it is something where, uh, man, boy, if the Rangers happen to pull off a game seven victory over the Phillies. <laughs> you are not going to want to be dressed in Cowboys gear the very next day for an Eagles game. I, I will One say One all that. in the bottom of the fourth. Boom. There we go. All right. And Chris Mad Dog Russo said if the D-backs win tonight, he's retiring. So just, just that's on the line as well. Last question here from Chris Hodnett, one of our loyal listeners. Brian brought us, as it is uh, Halloween coming up uh, upon us, uh, what is your favorite trick-or-treat candy? I am not a big fan of Halloween at all. I'm really not. What I know candy this- then? What's your favorite candy? I love I love uh, slightly chilled Reese's peanut butter cups. Oh, that's good. I like Reese's sli- pieces too. Yeah, make them slightly chilled, and I'm good to go. You know what I've and I don't know when this happened. This was about two three years ago. I discovered I have like a real obsession with caramel, not caramel, caramel. Uh, like a heat bar. I, I, like no, not not that kind. Like I mean, like um, like I love like sugar babies and and uh, Man. like it's not caramel, but I love bit of honey. That's like tra- that's really that's good. Oh, I love God. salted cho- caramel, like dark chocolate with salted caramel inside. Oh, that okay. I I don't know what it is. Caramel's become an obsession for me in the last couple of years. But the top the top candy for me uh, is probably I like the chocolate peanut butter thing. Reese's fast break, the, Either, the little it, candy bar. Yeah, Reese's is good. But I'll tell you another one real quick too is the. The Nestle Crunch Bar, yeah, with the with the peanuts and that that's the Mr. Good Bar. Bite, those bite, not the Mr. Good Bar, but the, crunch. the pe- Mr. Good Bar is the peanuts. The crunch the red, is the rice. The, the red, white, and blue. Yeah, the Mr. Good Bar is a is a yellow wrapper. The uh, the 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 crunch is a red, white, and blue wrapper. What's what's the difference between a Crunch Bar and a Crackle? That's kind of it's kind of the, the, the same peanut, one. Peanut. It's a little bit more snap to it. I guess so. A little more snap in the crack. That's what it is. Uh, All right. So if Brian brought us to come and trick or treating by your house, be sure to put lots of crunch bars in there and chilled peanut butter cups. Uh, Brian, we will. We still got. We left a lot on the table. Still got Michael Gallup to get to. We've got uh, the Browns and the 49ers takeaways from that. We got to preview the Rams this week. So uh, we'll have two more episodes this week. week. We're back to it, man. To the to the end. We go to the moon. No days off. No days off. Day by day. That no you, you all gas, no breaks. You keep day chanting it, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> For Brian Broadus, I'm Bobby Belt. We will talk to you guys again next time.